This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of executive coaching, masterful facilitation, and motivational speaking. Conflict. It's a part of all of our lives. As leaders, it can derail our success at work and at home. How can we deal with conflict more effectively? How can we achieve conflict resolution or conflict freedom? Here to answer that important question is a conflict expert. My guest today is Dr. Jen Goldman Wetzler. Dr. Jennifer Goldman Wetzler is an award-winning conflict consultant who, through her book, Optimal Outcomes, Free yourself from conflict at work, at home, and in life offers a new path to take when agreement and collaboration seem impossible. And this is an amazing book that has received rave reviews from some of the highest authorities in business and academia, and it was selected as the book of the month by Financial Times. Jennifer, welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast. Thank you so much, Eddie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here, Jennifer. I've read your book. Thank you for sending me an advanced copy. And I've read what other people have said about it. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into your book. I am an organizational psychologist, and I lead a company called Alignment Strategies Group, where we help CEOs and their teams to deal with conflict and collaborate more effectively and talk across lines of difference. My background is in social psychology. I have a PhD in organizational psychology with a specialty in intractable conflict. 
And my PhD was funded by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security uh, as I had a fellowship with them all five years of my work. And I've been in this business for a long, long time, working with clients in all different sectors from government to startup to nonprofit and corporate and love working with leaders and love talking to people like you. Fascinating. And something else I found interesting about you, especially when we're going to talk about conflict, you've done a little work with the United Nations, Harvard Law School, Google, and you mentioned the, the Department of Homeland Security, but you also did some kind of terrorism work. You were a fellow. Yes. Yes. A research fellow. All fascinating. <laughs> you, you, say you. It, you say it as if, oh, it's just Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, this is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate that very much. It was, you know, when it's part of your life, you don't, you don't think about it that way. But yes, it was a tremendous time. I mean, I was at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security as a research fellow in 2002 till 2007. And, you know, I, I did a couple of internships, so I was not there full time. But all of my research was on how the emotion of humiliation drives conflict uh, in, and kind of applying that to the realm of international terrorism. And so it was a fascinating time to be there. The department had just been created. There was a really interesting group of people doing social science research, and that is the group that I was with. They were, and I imagine continue to do, although I'm not, not directly involved these days, but, you know, do really important work. Absolutely. So it's not every day that we get a chance to talk to someone about conflict at your level, even though we all have conflict every day. <laughs> Jen. I think we all know what conflict is. We know when we're interacting with someone and it doesn't feel right. We know when we're avoiding someone <laughs> or maybe in some cases, not perhaps treating them the way we should because that conflict is there. Is there a time where conflict is not something that's bad, but it's actually good for leaders to have in their life? Yes, absolutely. There are times when conflict can be a healthy thing. It can lead to more creativity on teams. When you have diverse perspectives, it can lead to greater innovation. And as much as we've all had experience with conflict that didn't go well, we've probably all experienced sometimes where there was conflict that did turn out okay, right? Or, or even better than okay, where we came to a more innovative or creative solution that we couldn't have come to otherwise. The thing that I like to help people do is to distinguish between when is it healthy, when is this conflict healthy and helping us get to those more innovative, creative solutions, and then when is it destructive, <laughs> and when is it kind of in between, but where's that line? When is it not helpful? When is it not productive? And it's the part where we get into, this is not productive. Either I'm going around and around in circles and not getting the answers that I need, or we're not coming up with the solutions that we thought we were going to, or I feel like I'm banging my head up against a wall trying to get someone to do something else that they are simply resisting and not doing, or there's kind of conflict under the surface that's bubbling up every now and again, and then dying down and then bubbling up and and at some point, I know it's likely to explode and I don't want to see that happen and I don't know what to do about that. Those are the kinds of situations that concern me the most and that I tend to be most helpful to people about, about dealing with, about how do you free yourself from that kind of those kinds of situations. 
you just described perhaps half of the individuals I'm working with as an executive coach, uh-huh. dealing with their fellow coworkers or their leaders in their organizations, and perhaps some people who I know in relationships. <laughs> so how do they handle that? Yeah. Well, the first thing to do before you can do anything about a situation that isn't going well for you is to simply stop and pause and notice what is going on. So one easy way that I like to help people do that is that there are four conflict habits that we tend to get ourselves stuck in. We tend to use these in a habitual way and they keep us stuck in conflict. And there's actually a really simple, easy seven minute free quiz that people could take online if they're interested at optimaloutcomesbook.com slash assessment. And it's called the conflict habits quiz. There are two different quizzes at that site. We'll make a note of that and put that in the link for folks to take that. Great. So the four conflict habits are basically we either blame other people. Some of us blame and shame ourselves. Some of us shut down in the face of recurring conflict. So we avoid, 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 like I was describing before until something typically something explodes and we don't know what to do about it. So we shut down in the face of conflict. And then others of us somewhat counterintuitively We relentlessly seek to collaborate with other people, and yet we're not getting anywhere, right? We're sinking time, energy, money, resources into trying to achieve a, quote, win-win solution with someone else who's just not playing along with us, right? They're not cooperating back with us. So each of these four habits can be useful and can lead to healthy conflict outcomes like we were talking about before, unless we're using them in such a habitual way that they are the only way we know. And each of us tends to have a default way of operating, which is why I call it your, your conflict habit. There's one primary way that each of us tends to from how we learn to be when we were young in our family of origin or what we learned from coaches or teachers or spiritual leaders growing up. We take, we see those models, we learn ways to deal with conflict based on how we grew up, and then we do those over and over and over again. And at a certain point, like those executives that you were talking about a few moments ago, it just gets in our way. And so the question is, what can we do to put a break and interrupt those habitual patterns so that we can do something different? And that's the first, the first step is really to, to notice which one of these conflict habits do I tend to use? And then the second thing is to ask ourselves, well, what else could I do that would break that habitual response? That's really true. I can tell you about some people that I work with and they've described how they saw certain behaviors demonstrated in their family, certain behaviors demonstrated in their religious community, and perhaps they find themselves conflict avoidant. You know, they're not a person that's violent or dangerous. They just or get silent and they just walk away from from conflict. And that's their default mode. They don't know any other way of handling it. And you're saying they should be able to examine that, come to grips with that's who they are. And now how is that working for you? Here's something else you can try. And you give an outline of this and you give stories in your book. Yes, right, absolutely. I mean, avoidance is also an interesting one because it can seem like, well, I'm not in conflict, I'm just, not (laughs) at all, right? But I think sometimes those of us who tend, who habitually avoid conflict, we don't see our part in it. 
Or if we do, we only see our side of it, which is that, you know, there's radio silence, there's nothing going on, but actually for the other person or people involved, it can be incredibly challenging for them to know what to do when <laughs> they, they may not share our habit. Right? After so all, about, being quiet and silent means I'm being peaceful, right? Right, exactly. That's a real, <laughs> a real <laughs> misunderstanding, right, of, of, our, of your own contribution. It could be a misunderstanding of your own, own contribution to the situation. And I talk about uh, this, this idea of contribution was popularized by the book Difficult Conversations in 1999. So it's been around for a long time. But this idea that, you know, it takes two to tango. It's usually not one person, 100% responsibility and the other person zero, but more like a mixture. And it can be really helpful to ask ourselves, what is my contribution here? So I like to talk about the habits as that they interact with each other and they form a pattern pattern of interaction that keeps us stuck on what I call this conflict loop. So it just goes, if, if you feel like you're going around and around and around and not getting anywhere, that's how you know that you're stuck. So you could have one person who has a blame conflict habit interacting with someone else who also has a blame conflict habit and they're blaming, 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 sometimes until finally one or the other of them shuts down and kind of goes away. But that's a blame, blame cycle versus a different kind of cycle could be a relentlessly collaborate shutdown where you know one person is constantly kind of pursuing the other trying to relent trying to collaborate get the other person say here's the options what do you think here's what i you know could do for you here's what i could recommend and the other person just kind of running away or avoiding 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 so that's a different example of a of a conflict loop thank you to resolve this Many people say, I need conflict resolution skills. So they take a program or they read a book, but you introduce something in your book I've not heard of before. And you have a concept you call conflict freedom. Yes. And that is because my experience over the last 40 years with the idea of conflict resolution is that it just simply doesn't always work. So I came up through the field of conflict and negotiation studying at the program on negotiation at Harvard Law School, which out of which came the book Getting to Yes, which is an international bestseller. It continues to be incredibly helpful to people all over the world, in business and government, all kinds of settings, personal settings. And that book really lays out a very clear and incredibly helpful way of seeking to resolve conflicts and create principled negotiation or win-win negotiation outcomes. The problem is that it just doesn't always work. And I know that from my own experience, what you described before, maybe you know it also from your own experience working with leaders and organizations. And also, if we look at the international realm, there are some situations, like, for example, in the Middle East, that despite some recent wins that we've had where countries have made diplomatic agreements that nobody thought was possible even a couple of years ago, you know, I remember when I was first getting into this work in the mid-90s, the Oslo Peace Accords looked like they were going, you know, well, and then all of a sudden completely literally blew up. And so that was the context in which I said, you know, there has to be something that we can offer people when these win-win methodologies don't work. And that is what conflict freedom is all about. It's all about saying when you notice that you're stuck on that conflict loop going around and around, your job is to stop, notice where you are, Notice what habits are involved and what the pattern is that you're stuck in with other people and then map out a way out and, you know, at core, really asking yourself, what could I do that would be different from what I've done 
before? And how could I, and I describe that as pattern-breaking action. How could I take pattern-breaking action in this case? Action that would be completely different. It would be surprising. It would be simple. And it would be a series of actions to help get us out of that conflict loop towards an optimal outcome. What's an example of one of those actions I can take if I find myself in this situation, I have identified it, and here I am. Yeah. Well, let's just say, for example, that you've identified that your conflict habit is relentlessly collaborate. So you've been offering option after option and asking the other person or people involved how you can help you and them come to an agreement and you're not getting any response. Like I said, I described before, you might be on a, you're relentlessly collaborating and they're in the shutdown. So that's, that's your loop with them. So what's something different that you could do? You could, first of all, be more direct. You could try something like, hey, this is what I need right? That's a pretty different response or pretty different way of interacting than saying, here's another option. Here's another option we could try. This is just, hey, this is what I need. So instead of another option, you kind of bottom line it. Yeah. Just more direct and about your own needs and caring less about theirs. And then maybe that will help, you know, it's surprising. It's something that might surprise them because you've been all trying to make it work for them. And now you're coming at it as, look, I don't even actually, I'm not going to try to make it work for you. This is what I need. So doing something more direct. You could also try shutting down yourself for a little while, right? This is not necessarily an advisable thing to do in all situations, but in a situation where someone has been sending you the message, I do not want to talk about this right now. If it's a situation where maybe you don't actually need to come to an agreement right away today or tomorrow, right? Maybe you could let yourself cool off over a weekend or let it go for a few days and see what might happen. Sometimes what will happen is the other person will be so surprised. They'll be like peeking their head out, wondering where'd she go? Where'd he go? Like what happened to him? Right? So that's the, the thing about the element of surprise being one of the three pieces of pattern breaking action. It's that it can jolt the other person out of their habitual way of responding as well in a good way. Conflict freedom. You've got to break the pattern and introduce a little bit of an element of surprise there. Be a little bit more direct and maybe try to shut down if necessary. Thank you for sharing those two options with us and helping us understand the difference between conflict freedom and conflict resolution. We may not always get a resolution, but we can always be free. I love that concept. Eddie, I do just want to clarify the two ideas that I just threw out there were specific to somebody who's been relentlessly collaborating. I think that was probably obvious, but I do just want to underscore that, that I wouldn't have given you those same answers if we were talking about somebody who had already been shut down, right? Obviously, if you've already been shut down, shutting down more is not going to be pattern breaking for you, right? In that case, <laughs> the conflict avoided person, yes. the truth with love, with care, with respect, but go and try to have that conversation. That's going to break the pattern for you. That's a very important distinction. Thank you for clarifying that for me so that we don't leave with the wrong idea. Yes, I don't want listeners out there going, oh, she said that that the way to free yourself from conflict is to shut down. No, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying at all. It's, a, it's to identify what do you normally do and then do something different from what you normally do. Wonderful. I appreciate that. We're talking about how we handle conflict as a leader. We're talking to Jen Goldman Wetzler. And we will have more with Jen right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. 
Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one -on -one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Chester Elton, the apostle of appreciation, and you're listening to the Keep Leading podcast with the one, the only, Eddie Turner. We're back, everyone. We're discussing how you and I can handle conflict as a leader. This is important to our careers, both at work and at home, and we want to be successful. And so we are talking with an expert on this, Dr. Jennifer Goldman Wetzler, an award-winning conflict consultant who, through her book, Optimal Outcomes, Free Yourself from Conflict at Work, at Home, and in Life, offers a new path to take when agreement and collaboration seem impossible. Jen, I'm enjoying our discussion, and you've really shed light on what we can do as leaders, but why does this matter? Well, I think this matters to any leader or manager who has to both directly themselves and also help others deal with conflict in the workplace, right? When you see people going around and around in circles, this methodology, this, this work, this framework, and there are eight different practices in the Optimal Outcomes Framework, and we've only talked about two of them. We've talked about, you know, noticing the pattern, which is the first practice, and then we've talked about one of the later practices, which is about identifying what would a pattern-breaking set of actions be, creating a pattern-breaking path, but there are six others as well. So the real work here is to use these practices to help people stop, to help them get off that conflict loop, stop going around in circles and free themselves. Do you have an example of how this has worked for these managers that you mentioned in their conflict at work? Yeah, absolutely. So one situation that I write about in the book that was super difficult and that became much easier and kind of helped enlighten the people that were involved was between a CEO of a design firm, just like really super smart, flashy, really hyper-talented CEO and his head of sales. And she was also incredibly talented. They were friends in addition to working together and they were stuck on a conflict loop like the one, one of the ones that we were talking about before, which is that he was a blamer so he would blame any time that someone did something not the way he expected or wanted them to, he would just go at it and he would yell and just, you know, fire coming out of his, all the different parts of his head. Mm -hmm. uh, it was not a, not a fun thing to witness for anyone, but particularly not for this head of sales who was a more mild mannered British person. She was much more, her conflict habit was shut down. And so you can imagine what would happen when they would interact, right? He would blow up anytime he didn't like something that she did. And what would she do? She would go hide. And sometimes that would, you know, shut down their conversations for days. So you can imagine how much work got done around the office between them, not very much. And of course, this impacted not only the two of them and their relationship, but also her entire team of people who reported to her, who would sometimes witness these interactions, 
or lack thereof. And it was incredibly destructive in the organization. And so my work with both of them was to help each of them identify what their own habit was, and then to ask them, what could you do differently the next time that happens, right? So it's not just working with her to help her respond differently. And it's not just working with him to help him respond differently, but to be able to work with both of them, which I was fortunate enough to be able to do. So for him, the work was, what will it take when you are upset about something, the way it's gone, what will it take for you to cool your jets and take a deep breath and ask yourself strategically, what is the response I would like to have here? Not what is the response that just comes to me and that I just, you know, knee-jerk reaction. And so that was his work to do. And it took some work, right? This is not like an overnight change, Mm -hmm. but he was able to train himself over time that when he was, you know, ready to pick up the phone and yell at somebody, he would put the phone down and train himself to take a walk around the block before he came back and decided what to do. More of the pattern breaking that you mentioned earlier. Exactly. Exactly. So it can help really to think to yourself, what things do I need to put in place to help me break those patterns? So that's for him. And then for her, really what it was, was a lot about courage, was learning to say, I might feel like hiding here, but I've seen how destructive that has been for me, for my team, for my relationship with the CEO. So I'm going to ask myself to stay strong. And even though it is going to feel so excruciatingly difficult to stay engaged when I would much rather run, I'm going to ask that of myself. And I'm going to also put in place things that will help make that easier for me to do. So she would, you know, had a group of trusted friends around her who she could talk about this with. She had me as her coach who she could talk about this with and really saw it as like building muscles as if she were going to the gym and just every time she would stay in the room And eventually she was able to use words and say to him, that is not okay with me when you treat me like that. And boy, you should have seen the look on his face when she was able to speak those words. I'm imagining that right now as you say that. Yeah. Yeah. What a transformation. And I can imagine how she felt being able to utter those words. Exactly. It's incredibly empowering. It's empowering for me to help somebody find those words and find the courage to speak them. And I think it's also a wonderful learning opportunity and moment for the CEO in the, you know, in this case as well, for him to see, you know what, he can't continue to go around and treat people this way because the impact is not only on her and on his relationship with her, but it's also has outward effects in the organization as well. And it's not in his interest to continue acting the way that he is either. And he wanted her to stay. I mean, they were, believe it or not, they, they had a very long-standing, many years worth of friendship. And so he did not want this to be going this way. I've seen that in more of my engagements than I care to admit, where, yeah, both people realize they need each other. The senior person may not like that person or have that conflict relationship, but they realize this is a top performer. This person's amazing. But sometimes that leader isn't willing to adjust their behavior. So I, I like that story. And I think that many people will benefit from following the skills you've outlined, steps you've outlined and optimal outcomes so they can make the adjustments. I hope so. And the one thing I want to say also about these practices is that they're designed so that you can do them on your own. So in the case that I just described, I was I happened to be coaching both of these people. And so I could help both of them do this. And of course, do, do what they needed to do to take pattern breaking action. And of course that helps. 
And I hope you can imagine a situation where let's say I was only working with one of them or only one of them had read the book. That would still be helpful, right? If only Indeed. he had cooled his jets, that would, you can imagine that would, that breaks this conflict loop. It's also an aspect of freeing yourself. That's why it's freeing because when you free yourself from the conflict loop, you're naturally freeing other people as well, right? She could still be going hiding in a corner, but she would have very much less reason to use that habit if he's not screaming his head off at her every day, right? Yes. And vice versa. If she built up those muscles, he could be screaming like till the cows come home, but she will still be standing there and saying, this is not acceptable behavior for me. You know, I'm not going to be in a relationship with someone who yells at me in this way. So when you're ready to calm down, let me know. Many people miss that idea that if just one person makes a change, Mm -hmm. the entire relationship can get better. Or in any of these conflict situations, if it's just one party who chooses to act different or act at a higher level, uh, it doesn't have to be both people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> in a perfect world, it would be, but we don't live in a perfect world. Right. In fact, if we had a perfect world where conflict didn't exist, then we wouldn't have optimal outcomes as a book. <laughs> That's right. So since it's inevitable that we're always going to have conflict, what is your ideal future? My ideal future is a world in which people develop and practice these practices as a way to learn how to empower ourselves and free ourselves from even the most challenging situations that seem impossible, that seem like we are just gonna have to go around and around on this loop forever, but actually that we can notice what our habit is, notice what other people's habits are, notice the pattern we're stuck in. We can map out the conflict, which we haven't even talked about yet, but we can map out who's involved make it more complex than we've maybe thought about it in the past, and then come to a more leverageable situation that we hadn't even noticed was happening before, where we can look at what are our values and what are our shadow values? What are the things that we really do care about in life, but that we have, we would never admit to caring about? And also for other people, what might their shadow values be? What's important to them that they could never even talk about, never admit, but that we see are oozing out in ways that they can't control. How can we work with those? So these are some of these other practices. So that's my ideal world where people see that they can use themselves as instruments to free themselves from situations that seem impossible. Wonderful. Well, you have given us a lot to think about today. The book again is Optimal Outcomes. Free yourself from conflict at work, at home, and in life. And it's easy to understand the subtitle of the book after talking to you, because the suggestions you've given us absolutely can benefit us, not just at work in our professional careers, but at home and in every other aspect of our life. Thank you, Jen, for sitting down and talking with me today. Thank you so much, Eddie. It's been a real pleasure, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. And if my listeners want to contact you or follow your work, how do they do that? The best way is to go to OptimalOutcomesBook.com. And there is a treasure trove of free resources. If you go to the resources page or optimaloutcomesbook.com slash resources, that's also where you'll find the quizzes. And there are 10 different PDFs that are worksheets that you can download that, that correspond to each of the eight different practices in the book, along with a couple of extra bonus ones. So there's just a lot to play around with there. And then, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn at J, I think it's Jen Goldman Wetzler. And also on Facebook and Twitter as well, Jay Goldman-Wetzler or Jen Goldman-Wetzler as well. And if you reach out to Jen, 
tell her that you heard about her on the Keep Leading podcast. We'll put links to her website, her social media sites, as well as the assessment that she mentioned. We'll put all of that in the show notes so that you can reach out to her, contact her, stay connected, and follow her incredible work so that you and I can remove conflict from our life and handle conflict better as leaders. Thank you again, Jen, for being a guest. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.